White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Fred has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The Big Fred Barry takes a perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand Slam! The White Sox winner and a World Championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked on Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. This is episode 29. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great tonight, Herb. You know why? The White Sox why? win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turtle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. Sox win today. They won behind Dylon Cease. They were out there in Phoenix <laughs> facing the Brewers, and, and they won today. It was, an, it was a nice game. We watched it. <laughs> Don't tell our bosses. We were watching it today at work while we were doing work, 5-1. to one. But before we get to the things that happened in that game and other things that have been happening in the spring, episode 29 tonight, Herbie, what do you got? All right, episode 29. Let me go down the list and see who – I think episode 29 should be. You know what? I'm going to go with this guy. How about the guy who spent his last days with the White Sox, a guy that you know you love from ESPN. Now he's a Phillies commentator, John Crook. Episode 29, John Crook. No? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not feeling that one tonight. Um, I, w- I think when I think White Sox for life, I always see that number 29, and the first guy that pops into my head is none Just other. Just uh, yeah, he is a captain of attitude, so he has a special place in my heart. Um, but how does a White Sox fan not think of Dan Johnson? Yes, that Dan Johnson, of course. He of the three home runs during the season finale of 2012 and one of the great Farmer calls. We talked about him last episode. Get well soon, Farmio. One of the great Farmio calls in Sox history. 2-1. A swing and a long one to right. This is going to go a three-homer game for Johnson. Hi. That was out of here quick. Sox lead nine nothing. He's on the team for next year. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you like whenever Dan Johnson does anything in life, like you know, it'll say, "Oh, Dan Johnson's coaching," you know, his son's t-ball team. Someone will tweet me and be like, "He's on the team for next year." Like, and he's not. <laughs> he's he not. He was, he was not on the team for 2013, folks. Although Dan Johnson at the time, you know, he was. You know, he he had a really nice. A uh, couple weeks there at the end of 2012, you know, it flashed the leather a little bit at first base. You're like, oh, it was a guy that that could that could back up. Uh, who was it? Was it Canerco at the time? Was yeah, he was he was still there at that time. Like, all right, this is a good left-handed stick to back up Pauly and spell him. Come in late in the game. Dan Johnson did not play for the Sox again after that. And still, the the I love just the the bulls on Farmer to put him on the roster during the season finale is one of my favorite things. I laugh every time I hear it. The he's on the team for next year thing. People will just randomly tell me that. Like they'll see me at a game and they'll tell me that 
so many times over the course of a season and on Twitter I get it at least once a week uh, so salute to Dan Johnson but uh, I think I think this is a pretty easy decision tonight on 29 of course mm-hmm. Blackjack McDowell uh, Blackjack was pretty much the ace of those great Sox teams of the early 90s the 1993 Cy Young Award winner um, just a great pitcher really symbolized you know that era the anchor of that staff um, but there's a lot of weird things too that go along with Jack McDowell when you talk about him. Um, did not uh-huh. ha- did not have a great uh, playoff a, a couple starts there in '93 when the Sox ran into that buzzsaw of a Blue Jays team, and I, I was there uh, on that clincher for uh, Toronto in Game Six '93, uh, and that was one of the worst fan days of my life. I was so sad, but that Blue Jays team was a buzzsaw. So Jack McDowell. After the strike in 94, the White Sox traded him for a guy that we mentioned last podcast, Lyle Mouton, uh, traded him to the Yankees. And this was one of those things where Jerry Reinsdorf decided, I'm not going to pay starting pitchers uh, for a second contract. I'm not going to break the bank and extend starting pitchers, and, and I'm not going to be in that market. And to Jerry's credit, at least in this circumstance, he seemed to be right. Uh, McDowell had a couple of decent years with the Yankees after that. He's probably most famous for doing what I would have liked to do pretty much my entire life, which is flip off Yankees fans. <laughs> uh, he's, he's known for that because given the Yankees fans the bird after the Sox shelled him, I think it was during a doubleheader in 95, they nicknamed him the, wait for it, Herbie, the Yankee Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> John Sterling do that? <laughs> I, I bet he did. Yeah, it was either him or the or the New York Post. But he's one of the casualties of that 94 strike where the Sox just couldn't bring back everyone from that team. Things were very weird and bad and sad. Uh, but Jack McDowell, uh, just one of, one of the last uh, – was that the last Cy Young Award winner uh, for the White Sox? It had to have been, right? 1993? I should have. Yeah, that. because because uh, Esteban did not win the Cy Young. He got second place. Was an All Star that year. Correct. Uh, Mark Burley never won. And uh, let's see, Soraka, no, no, we never had one after that. I'm pretty sure of that. So salute mm-hmm. to to Black Jack and his band Stick Figure. And in at Sox Fest in '93, my dad took me there, and I think I may have told this story on the pod, but it was one, one of those great days. I'm. Kind of bummed out because we didn't get many autographs that day. Uh, I was I was eating my feelings with one of those big hurt candy bars. Do you remember those at all, Herbie? Delicious, yes, I do. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. They were like they were basically Nestle Crunch bars, but like three times the size. Uh, very very nutritious for a growing boy like myself back in the early nineties. So I'm bummed out sitting there. We're just kind of waiting by the elevator. Things are wrapping up, and. Blackjack walks by. My dad flags him down before he gets on his elevator. He stops and uh, signs my uh, my leaf. That's right, that's right, Herbie. My leaf baseball card. I was I was a, a bougie like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got that down here somewhere. But yeah, uh, it was one of those things I'll never forget. So thank you, Jack McDowell, for signing my autograph in 1993. But you know that the 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 White Sox have only had three Cy Young Award winners. Blackjack McDowell. Can you name the other two? Ooh, um, Billy Pierce, one of them. They came in years that the White Sox won the division. Let's just say that. That the White Sox won the division. 
Yes. Hmm. There's not been a many of those guys. <laughs> you guys yeah. know that. So, <laughs> but so I'll give you the years: fifty-nine and eighty-three. Okay, eighty-three was it? Uh, was it Lamar Hoyt? Lamar Hoyt was the Cy Young Award winner that year. Okay, and you said the other one was sorry. Nineteen fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. It was not Billy Pierce. It was not Billy Pierce. Hmm. Um. I give up. Just tell me. Punctual breeze. Early win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is really a stretch. So, that's a stretch even for you, especially when you're put no. on the spot. No, that's fine. That's a nice job. All right. But when you're put on the spot, you just get aggravated. Brenda will get that one. So will, and so will Jay Zawaski. I hope he's listening to the host of Locked on Blackhawks, Jay Zawaski, and I and Rick Camp like yeah. to play that game where we make other people's names uh, synonyms and antonyms. Yeah, but his name is Early Win, not Early Wind. Uh, I understand. <laughs> that's that's mis- that's that's leading the witness here. I, I, I never I never had a chance. You were all wrong. I mean, if you want to call them pu- punctual loss, you know that that would that'll work. But anyway, that, that would have worked. I should I should have gotten that one. I should have gotten it. Um. So t- uh, tonight's podcast, we're going to talk about just some spring training takeaways, things that we've liked, things that we dislike so far in the spring in Cactus League play, and we'll talk about. Uh, the starting rotation appears to be set uh, for the beginning part of the year anyway. So, as I mentioned earlier, Sox beat the Brewers today 5-1 to one in Phoenix. Uh, the big hits of the game, courtesy of Andrew Vaughn and your guy, Luis Gonzalez. Uh, Dylan Cease, very nice outing today. Four innings pitched, one run, three hits, five strikeouts. Uh, he did hang a curveball to uh, Keston Hero when we were watching it. Mm. That, that was right over the cack, as they like to say. Um, but I, I, we, we, we're going to leave it up to, you know, the Arizona, you know, breaking balls aren't breaking. Uh, it's not what they what they normally do. So we're going to. Yeah, gonna, it was gonna, a terrible pitch. <laughs> it was, it was a terrible pitch. I know yeah. that's not what Dylan Cease offers. It was I, I literally told you I can hit that pitch. I don't hit it as far as Keston Hero, but I will get a piece of that pitch that uh, – Dylan Cease pitch today. It was a, a a curveball that didn't curve. It went straight up and straight down, and Keston Hira hit it far off the past the batter's eye in center field. It was a bomb. Yeah, he did not miss it, and you know just the, the lone blemish on Dylan Cease's uh, uh, mark today. But he he looked good. I mean, he was he was mixing it up. He got a couple strikeouts with the fastball, a couple. With the uh, with the with the curveball, I think, and he was just attacking, going after people. Uh, got some weak contact. I think this might be the favorite thing that I've seen so far this spring. Because as we talk about a lot, if the Sox are going to make that jump, Dylan Cease is going to have to make that jump from his first year. What did you What do you think about Dylan Cease so far? That's exactly what we need. If this is a team that has limits, and for the White Sox to do what the Twins did the year before. They're going to need career years out of everybody, people that you don't expect to rise up to the next level to do so. Uh, while his rookie year was you know, not as good as people wanted, it was still had some uh, spots where you say the future is bright for him. He would just have usually an inning where he would lose focus and give up a bunch of runs. This year in spring training so far, he looks solid. And if he can give that type of effort he gave out today with Sands the bad one bad pitch, I'm looking forward to uh, Dylan C's sophomore year being strong because he needs, and so we need Ronaldo Lopez, both of them, to have years beyond what the back of their baseball card would say of a second and third year pitcher. Um, the other guys, Giolito needs to pitch like he did last year. 
Same thing with uh, Dallas Keiko needs to pitch to the back of the baseball card. But you need guys like those to step up and be better than you even expect. So uh, if Dylan Cease can make uh, 30 starts this year and look like the pitcher, maybe uh, if I put numbers on like a four, four, like a low fours ERA where he's not getting rocked, he's a solid pitcher, you throw him out on the mound, you have a chance to win most of the games that he pitches. I think you'll take that from a guy who's probably seated as a third, fourth starter on this team. Yeah, I think you'll see outings where he's got the dominant stuff and he can't be touched, and then you'll see those ones still where he's trying to figure it out, where where he's maybe doing giving up one big inning, things like that. But ultimately what you want him to do out there is eat those innings up so you don't tax the bullpen. And I think that's going to be a big part of the Sox success this year if they have success uh, is not overtaxing that bullpen, especially early and uh, and keeping those guys fresh all year long. Um, big knock today uh, in the ball game. Andrew Vaughn had an RBI single in that game. Early impressions so far on Andrew Vaughn, Herbie. He can hit like I don't. He's facing a lower tier of pitcher when he comes into the game. Usually, usually that's a, either a double or triple A guy. But he sees ball and hits the ball, especially that game versus the one where um, Yermin hit the grand slam before him. And then he came up next and hit the ball almost out of the ballpark. And he has done that also with a home run in spring training so far. Today's at bat, he pretty much had a guy at second base and I think maybe a first guy at first. And the guy was trying, the pitcher was trying to come in on him and the inside out of the, the ball right over the second baseman's head for a rocket single and scored the runner from second and the guy from first went to third on his uh on his hit. So he understands how the pitchers are attacking him so far. Seems like he has this nice, solid swing at the plate, just nice and sweet swing. As a right-hander, you'd like to see that type of sweet swinging um, stroke from a young player. He was playing college. At this time last year, he was in college at California, and now he's in big league camp and probably at the end of the year will be a big leaguer because he can hit. I don't know if he can field at all, but that bat plays in the majors currently, but we're set first baseman in DH, so he probably will be at least a replacement guy in September, like a bring up the rookies uh, in September type of thing, and then we'll make a decision for next year because – that kid is he's ready to hit in the majors. I don't know necessarily if he needs more se- I mean, I know he needs more seasoning because he's only played uh, half a season down in the minors. But from what I've seen so far in the spring, and take it with a grain of salt, he has the understanding and the fundamentals of hitting down. That surprises me that you say that, that he'll be up at the end of the year. I don't think so. I don't think they'll... I think they would view that as rushing him, even though it would be a September call-up situation. I don't think they'll have him do that just yet. I think they'll have him do one full successful season, and then maybe he'll start to get a push uh, at this time next year. But a lot of people are already clamoring for him to get a shot this year. But that it's way too soon for that. Um, you know, he's got to pay his dues. They don't have a spot for him. More importantly, now, especially with no, en- with Encarnacion. So, be one of those guys to watch this year. Like this, this should be a really fun year, not only for the big league product, but it's going to be one of those years where you can have guys down. Uh, in the farm system that you can watch like you know with one eye you know as you're keeping the other eye on the big league team but Andrew Vaughn is going to rake this year he I love his approach 
not trying to do too much, not trying to, you know, just to swing out of his shoes in the spring in spring training, not trying to show you everything he's got and pressing. He just just takes the pitch nicely, you know, hits to all fields, just compact swing. I like what I see from him. I think the Sox finally may have uh, struck gold here with their one of their first round picks. Congratulations. We'll throw a party for you. Here's a cookie. Nick Hostetler. Um, (laughs) But. Uh, another thing, I'm, I'm going to roll out a new segment here uh, where we talk about the numbers. <laughs> and this segment is called The Numbers That I Like to Take a Look At Once in a While When I'm Thinking About the White Sox. So it's got a nice little ring to it. Uh, so Who's it sponsored by? Uh, no one yet, but feel free. Okay. Uh, anyone can jump in at any point. It, you know, right we, now, need to make a, uh, we need to make an acronym for that. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we're talking about Luis Robert. Basically on every episode, Eloy comes out earlier this week or end of last week saying how he thinks he could be the next Mike Trout. He doubled down on our station yesterday and said that he can be the best player in baseball eventually, sooner than later. I just can't wait to see this guy in center field on opening day. Right now, Luis Robert has a 450 OBP, 18 Mm. at-bats, 7 hits, leads the team. What have you liked so far from Luis Robert in the spring? I just like how First at bat today, we didn't see it, but then I went back and checked it out. Just settled in and hit the ball right where it was pitched. Pitcher luckily got out of the way because it was a rocket shot right back at him. And, like, he um, profiles as a guy who has five tools, but when he comes into the majors, he'll have a struggle. His bat is not of Eloy's uh, potential. It's not what Eloy is. Eloy's a better bat than what Luis Robert is, but I have not seen that so far. He seems hitter, like he seems like a hitter already. And I know, like I said, with Andrew Vaughn, you take these hits or you take these at-bats with a grain of salt because they're in spring training. They're going against guys who are not major league pitchers. But I know what I see when I see a guy that's out there doing things on the field, and I say, okay, this guy gets it. This guy knows what pitches are coming. He understands how the game is, seems like it's slowed down from one year to the other. Like in 2018, weren't we all like, man, this man gets hurt all the time. He's not really hitting for the power that we said we was going to be hitting for. Right. And then 2019, explosion. It, like he figured it all out in all these leagues. Single A, double A, triple A. He was like, okay, what's next? I'm eating up all these leagues. Let's go. And I don't see any stopping for him. And I, I love the confidence. He's stealing bases in spring training. That part, type of his, uh, that part of his game will be exposed. I, you know, Ricky's batting him somewhere in seven, eight hole right now, which is fine. I think I profile him as a second or third hitter when he is on, when he's a major league veteran, because that type of run production, that type of speed, you can't teach. You need him on the team. That's the second at bat. I think was a is the infield single where Brock Holt had to hurry up and he could get the ball out because he knows Luis Robert gets down the bags real quick and he he uh, fumbled the ball. That type of pressure you put on the defense can't be taught. He's just a special special player, and I'm excited to see what he's doing. I think I'm most excited to see what Yoan's going to do this year, and secondly, it's going to be what Luis Robert both in defense and offense is going to do this year. 
Yeah, Yohan, especially with some with lots of protection in the lineup. You know, last year he was pretty much the only guy. Um, you know, when Eloy was struggling early, um, you know, it was him and Abreu, and that was pretty much it. But with, as far as Robert goes, he's going to get a lot of hits that way with just you know making good contact, putting pressure on the defense. He's going to get on base a lot that way and if he can stay healthy I think that's a big thing for him because you mentioned last year and how he just tore up minor league play is because he was able to stay on the field I think that's the only thing stopping this guy is just the injuries and hopefully he can string another year together like he did last year and stay on the field because he's going to be fun to watch this year no doubt about it another guy to look for this spring haven't heard a lot from because you have a lot of shiny new toys like Luis Robert and your mean Mercedes, but another guy that you probably haven't heard his name a lot, but in eight games, he's got a 600 OBP, and that's another number one pick, Zach Collins. I don't know if you've seen much of Zach Collins this spring. I certainly haven't, but quietly, he's having a nice spring so far, and he's making his case uh, at least maybe to to sneak his way onto that opening day lineup or roster, I, know I should my- say. Yeah, I know my guy John, James Fox thinks that he would be better suited for that 26-man position over my guy Jeremy Mercedes. But, you know, if he's doing this job, I think the White Sox would favor him being more of the guy who's in the majors than uh, Mercedes. He's been here last year. Uh, Zach Collins got a cup of coffee, hit a home run versus Texas. I remember that game. I just don't like him being on the bench, getting no playing time at catcher, won't get any playing time at first base or DH, and just coming off the bench cold. He's a young player. I think your means better suited to being a guy who just comes off the bench and can hit anything and then go back to sitting on the bench and being happy and not thinking about, hey, uh, I'm the future. They draft me 10th overall. Why am I not playing? Why am I you know, sitting on the bench? It's the first time in my career that I've been sitting on the bench for an extended period of time. So how am I getting better at doing this? I just uh, love that Zach is battling this spring. He finds it's a competition between him and Yermi, and he's not backing down. And the one thing he does, he walks, and he gets on base any way you put it. And that's what we were told when he did get drafted by the White Sox out of Miami, that he knows how to get on base by, via the walk or – with some pop. So good luck to the young man. I just don't see a pathway for him or Sebi Zavala in the White Sox future and the near White Sox future. Yeah. So your mean Mercedes, you just mentioned, we were watching the game yesterday. He got called out on a pitch that was, they were playing in, uh, in Glendale. That pitch must've been in Peoria, uh, in a big, <laughs> big, big spot in the ball game. It was nice of the catcher to frame it though, uh, to pull it all the way in from the other County, but your mean, uh, you know, still making his case out there possibly for that 26 spot. And guess who is number seven in OPS currently in the cactus league. I know it means nothing, but I was just looking at some numbers today as I'm one to do. Uh, but guess who's number seven in OPS in the Cactus League so far? The best. You hear me? No, Nikki Delmonico. Oh, oh, old friend Nikki Delmonico. That's number right. 26 this year. That's right. Uh, the the three run bomb he hit yesterday certainly helped the cause in that regard, but he's got a 1036 OPS. And I don't know what his role is. I don't, you know, obviously, if he wants to play outfield in Charlotte, he can certainly do that. There's certainly, uh, you know, there's there's a need for for outfielders there currently at this at this 
point, you know, with those guys from double A not quite ready to make the jump yet. I don't know if they'll just outright release him so he can get a shot with somebody else. But I, I want nothing but the best for our buddy Nicky Delmonico because I don't think he has a spot on this team unless there's an injury. That's that's the only pathway he's got to the 2020 Sox roster the way I see it. Yeah, I and it's sad because he's uh, done everything the White Sox want him to do. He didn't have the year that – uh, he would want and got injured early last year, and they've, you know, like a college team does, they over they recruited over him, and now the outfield spots are all taken. The fourth outfielder spot's pretty much taken by Adam Engel, so he has no spot. Um, I would wish and hope that they would see this performance and whatever Norman Mazar is doing and say, you know what? We got to give the job to the guy who won it, and Nicky's played better. Then Norman Mazar has played better than most of our players. I cannot uh, see that happening because they've hitched their wagon to the Norman Mazar thing because he's 25 years old and he's young and he, they think they can got something out there. But if Nikki has found something, I would feel so bad if you just DFA'd the guy and then he went on to some other team and did decent for him because he's a good guy with a good lineage. His dad was a coach at University of Tennessee and just we had him in the studio a couple times just salt of the earth um a player that you want to cheer for and you want to cheer for him on your team maybe it's the hair i think that's what he's found he's found more follicles and that that's Got that help- flow going yeah that's helping his swing maybe i don't know but um finally today we wrap it up scott merkin tweeted this today for those who haven't paid attention to the white Sox starting alignment during cactus league action the regular season rotation seems to be shaping up as giolito Keichel, Lopez, Cs, and Gonzalez. Um, this is pretty much right in lockstep with how we saw it playing out. Um, the only question mark here is Gio. Um, now, if they followed the schedule with with this order, Gio would not pitch until March 31st against Cleveland. So right now, I think that that's pretty much how it's going to shake out. I would be curious to see if Gio even makes that start because he has not made a start in the Cactus League as of yet. Neither has Giolito for that matter, but we'll get to him in a second. But what do, you, do you think maybe they'll give Kopech a shot at that fifth spot and give Gio a little extra time, given that he's a veteran coming off some shoulder troubles? Do you think maybe they'll give Kopech a shot at that fifth spot? I do not think they'll give him a shot, which is sad because he looks the part. I mean, he has only what – he hasn't pitched off of uh, like a major league start as yet, I don't think, but I think that's coming up very soon that he's going to be pitching uh, a couple innings here, but they are going to slow play what he does here. He hasn't played any major league pitchers yet. He hasn't done any uh, competitive bats at bats yet. So they're going to do that very slowly and monitor the innings that he pitches this year. So they can do that probably better. I would think at the major league level, but they want to do that at a minor league level so it can be, I guess, less taxing on him, uh, less stressful innings as far as, you know, lesser competition. Um, and I've heard that they can gain an extra year if they hurt, hold him down for another um, month, month and a half. So, you know, it's advantageous for them to do that. And they would be well within their right 
to hold him down and play service time games with him. Yeah. The only problem, that... I think we discussed this, is the the fifth starter. If it's Ross Detweiler, I'm we're we're fucked. I'm out. He's I'm terrible. out. I'm tapping out if if yeah. it's if it's Detweiler. Um, I had just heard about that service time thing recently pop up again. You know, you sort of think like, oh, once once the clock starts running, you know, that's that. But you know, I mm-hmm. I guess that that's still a thing they could do. Like you said, it would be within their rights to do, you know, considering they lost an entire year because of the Tommy John. I don't know how I'd feel about that one, um, but we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out as far as that goes. And you're right, he hasn't really made any uh, any appearances in the Cactus League yet, so that probably would be rushing him a bit. I'm from the school where you only have so many bullets in the gun. Why waste it at Charlotte if you don't have to? But another guy it's going to be big this year if the Sox want to win the division, they want to succeed. Lucas Giolito makes his first Cactus League start on Friday against the Cubs, and we're going to recap that game uh, as much as there is to recap for a spring training game, but it'll be good to see Lucas back on the hill again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a little worried that he hadn't taken the bump as yet, but Sox weren't worried. Like, the Sox aren't worried about Yasmani Grandal, who hasn't taken the bat as yet. Did a couple simulated games today. Um, But if they can ramp Lucas up, from two or three innings right now on Friday to the six seven, I'm hoping he gives versus Kansas City on the 26th. I trust in Coop. I still trust in the process of what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are doing. Let's get it there. And there's nothing more enjoyable than seeing a guy who was the worst pitcher in baseball in 2018, ERA-wise to being one of the best last year with a strong first half and then a tailing off second half, but not like fail flailing. So if we can get that guy back to the top level, he was in the first half and a little bit past, I would love to see that because he's worked hard. He had injuries back in the past in the high school at Harvard Westlake was the minor league pitcher of the year. The number one uh, pitching prospect one of the Washington nationals and the man is, Saw some adversity in his life, and he seems like a great guy. As we spoke about in the last episode, his both his wife and his mom are good fans of his, and it seems like his wife is a great person sticking up for uh, Tim Anderson's wife in some strife with uh, the Swarzak. So I wish nothing but the best for him and his whole family. It seems like a great family. His dad, Rick Giolito. He's active on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have ever, ever uh, talked with him. Good guy, too. Yeah, so a lot on the line. Of course, it's Cubs Sox, and you know me. I've always got a crazy bet going with the first Cubs Sox uh, Cactus League game of the year. Uh, you've known me long enough to know that. You know me and my crazy neighbors here on the north side. If the uh, Sox lose on Friday, I've got to mow their lawns for 10 years. 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, of, lot on the line this game. You know, it gets crazy with Cubs and Sox. So, so yeah, exactly, I, 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 especially in the fake games. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, we don't bet anything in the regular season. It's too stressful. <laughs> so, but Cactus League is the best time to make one of those friendlier wagers with your Cub fan neighbors. But we'll recap Lucas's start on Friday. And uh, I think that's about does it for episode 29 of Locked on Sox. You got anything else for us tonight, Herbie? I do not have anything else, but for you guys who are listening, appreciate you listening, firstly. Secondly, you want to follow us on Twitter. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. I am at Hector Wall 23 That's E-C-N-E-R-W-A-L-2-3 for Rob Ventura. 
either on Twitter or Instagram. Same thing for Chris. And the show is at Locked On Socks. That is on Twitter and Instagram, which we don't do a lot on Instagram, but we do enough. So follow us over there. And if you want to participate in Mailback Monday, which a lot of good folks have, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your comments. Don't even have to be about the socks specifically. We'll answer any question that we deem arable. I mean, we're on a podcast, so you know, you know, as long as you don't get real crazy, we'll answer your questions. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on episode 29, the Blackjack McDowell episode of Locked on Socks.